Welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma to the Job Seekers Podcast. Welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Job Seekers Podcast. Are you looking for a job? Are you looking to get promoted or to make a lateral move to another part of your organization? Then you need to put yourself in the perspective of a hiring decision maker during the entire process. And that's exactly what we're going to do here. Yep, you heard that right. You are going to learn exactly what hiring decision makers are looking for in a resume slash cover letter slash LinkedIn profile. And we're going to share that with you right now. A quick word of advice. We are on Spotify, YouTube, and iTunes. Pick the one that you are on the most and hit that subscribe button. Guys, this podcast is good for anyone who is looking for a job. And not just that, but people who are just looking to make career growth happen in their lives. So we recommend uh, you keep updated with this podcast because there's going to be a lot of really good stuff coming. So now I wanted to talk about why we were putting on this podcast. And to put it plain and simple, the reason is because we wanted to remove as much of the pain as humanly possible from job seekers. Um, And I'll tell you guys just a really quick story. Uh, We had a client uh, back in I think it was 2015, um, who was applying to a bunch of positions. Uh, these were positions within IT, very good, high-paying positions. Um, he was having a lot of trouble because this was um, these were positions that he hadn't previously had um, experiences to list on his resume. Um, in addition, he felt that age discrimination was coming into play. Um, so there was a lot of trouble. Um, he applied... I mean, hundreds and hundreds of times. Um, I think a thousand was the number that he applied for. Um, and he just was getting no results. And guys, let me just tell you right now, when you're, when you're applying to a bunch of these positions, you're sending out your resume, you're putting yourself out there, not, not hearing back from anyone. It can be a very painful process. And um, it really does a lot to your, your self-confidence and in your self-esteem. But um, so when I, when I had this person come to me, he was definitely you know, really frustrated and in, in, in having a lot of trouble. Um, and so what we ended up doing was reworking his job search, um, reworking his strategy and his materials, I should say. Um, and just kept trying, kept persisting, you know, what do hiring managers want to see in your resume? You know, how can we get a more targeted approach that's going to help out with the job search? Um, and then we got a new fresh resume and, you know, after one week, two weeks, um, a callback, you know, after another week, another callback for um, a position that he actually was interested in. Um, and then that callback turned into an interview. Um, and then that interview turned into a second round, final round. And then I got a call. Uh, I actually think it was an email um, from him saying, I think I did very well during that final round interview. You know, cross my fingers, but I think this is this is it. And um, what do you know? The next day he ended up getting his dream job um, at a fortune 500 company, just this really incredible opportunity, um, to do something that he loved. And, um, let me tell you right there, I guarantee you that salary bump was three times, maybe four times the, the previous amount that he was getting paid. So really it was, it was an elevated, um, status. Um, it was an elevation in his career, um, and a great opportunity. So why do I tell that story to you guys as I kind of kick this off? The reason why is because I really wanted to offer hope to a lot of the people out there who are also in the same situation. And to let you know that if you are applying for these positions, you should keep trying. Persistence is key. And you really will want to rework your job search strategy um, and get targeted because the results are there. I mean, the results are going to come. So um, keep it up. What our mission is as a company is to 
really go to the people that are making the decisions. So we, as a resume service, we didn't want to be just a company that just Googled some advice and, you know, started writing about it on how to write a good resume. No, we really wanted to go out into the field and start connecting with people that make the decisions at the end of the day. So the theme to hammer home here is put yourself in the perspective of hiring decision maker. You know, that's exactly what we did for this podcast. You know, we, um, we hosted an event, um, here in Austin, Texas, here at Capital Factory, um, with hiring decision makers on what makes a good resume and what makes a bad resume. And a lot of the things that I'm going to say during this podcast are going to come straight from that panel, um, which I think represents what a lot of the hiring decision makers out there want. So, um, without further ado, um, I prepared a list of questions that I know a lot of you are asking on how to make a good resume and a lot of, a lot of frequently asked questions about, you know, sending out your, your application materials in general. So, um, I'll kick right into it. The first question is what makes you put a resume in the yes pile? All right, guys, this is such a good question, and it boils down to a few things, and I'll start with the most important one. Number one, be targeted, and I've been hammering this home as a resume writer since the very beginning, but it is so true, and when I asked this question to the panel, um, each each person had their different way of kind of saying the same thing, and it, it really makes me happy to, to see this. Um, but being targeted, um, is one of the best things you can do when you are sending out your resume to hiring decision makers. So what skills do you have that are relevant for that position you're applying for? Um, what skills, um, is probably the most important thing and the experiences, um, that can help translate those things on paper with the whole concept of being targeted. What if you don't have the skills in the past? What if you are trying to make a career transition or, you know, maybe you're not the perfect fit for that role because you've held those titles before in the past. The biggest thing um, that all these hiring decision makers have said is um, it is really important to show your competency, you know, through things you've done in the past, you know, so for instance, if you are an Android developer, um, and, uh, or say you're, you're applying for Android developer positions and you haven't held that title before in the past, um, you know, talk about some sp- specific projects that you've worked on, talk about an app that you've launched. Um, and it's, it's an iTunes right now, you know, that, that a hiring decision maker can look at and see, um, your competence within that. Um, guys, there are so many really good ways to show that you're qualified for position other than just the position title you've held in the past. So really what that should do is offer hope for the, uh, people who are changing careers and especially for the people who are starting off in their career. Um, the people who are just graduating from, you know, coding boot camps from college, you know, um, whatever it is. Another thing that was said during the panel is that you should really show why you are applying for the position. So showcase the why. Um, and this is something that's not easy to convey in a resume. This is something that you need to show through, um, your your passion really needs to come through in your writing. Um, and, um, I, I think that's one thing that a lot of these, these recruiters want to see because, you know, they want to see that you're not going to join this job and just end up quitting, um, within, you know, six months that the burnout is not going to happen. Um, you know, granted burnout definitely happens when you are, you know, still passionate for something and, you know, say you get overwhelmed. Um, but they just need to see that there is potential for longevity within that role. So, um, what are some good ways that you can showcase the why of your application? I say the cover letter is a really good one 
to go for uh, because you can dedicate an entire paragraph to the why. And I've been trying to hammer this home and I think I've been doing an okay job, Um, but the cover letter should not be just a simple repeat of what is on the resume. It should showcase some of those human traits and some of those um, really just some of those personable traits that are going to help you end up getting that job. And with the cover letter, I think the why is a great opportunity there to showcase um, to showcase that you're you're a great person for the role. Another recurring theme that I've heard from hiring decision makers is that they want to hire somebody who's going to be part of a team. So it's also really incredibly important to to showcase that you can be part of a team in your resume, um, which is actually easier easier said than done, which is something I understand. But I mean, just think about it for one second. If you're applying for a position to be a part of a team, right, part of a unit that's going to accomplish one common goal, why are so many of us in our resumes writing these accomplishments that sounds like me, 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 this is, these are things that I've done. Um, and granted, you know, I'm a resume writer. I I'm always trying to brag for my clients. I'm always trying to say, Hey, these are, these are specific things that I've done in the past. That's great. That's, that belongs in a resume, but definitely showcase some of those team oriented things as well. Um, and that was something that I've heard from, you know, not just one person in this panel, but from numerous other hiring decision makers and recruiters is if they're hiring somebody that's going to be a part of a team, they need to show that they were a team player. Um, and don't just write team player in the resume as a bullet point. You need to go beyond that. So within specific bullets, um, under your professional experiences, you can say, um, um, assisted team with et cetera, et cetera, um, in a project that you all worked on and a goal that you all were working towards and ended up accomplishing that. So, um, it's also good to show context because I think it does paint a better picture. Um, so, you know, within a paragraph in the resume, you can say something like you were a part of, you know, six other Android developers who were working on this common goal. Um, I think that's essential. And I think that is possibly one of the most forgotten elements, um, in a resume when it comes to, to bragging and make yourself look good. All right. And the final thing that I do want to comment on is that the summary of qualifications is a great opportunity to get a hiring manager to put you in the yes pile. Um, it was something that was said by one of the hiring managers and it's something that I've heard time and time again, having a strong summary at the top can make you look very good and can make you more targeted. So, um, it's, it's always very interesting to see, you know, the different summaries that people are including on the top, because, you know, these are things that you want to showcase in your career, um, whether those be career highlights or some of the best skills you have. Um, and so, you know, my recommendation to all of you would be to just make it as targeted as possible, um, and make sure that it really is a strong section Um, I've heard from plenty of recruiters that, you know, the section can be good if it has specifics um, and if it is targeted for the job posting. And I've also heard that the section can be bad and that's if it is very general and has nothing to do with the job posting. So um, in summary here, what makes a good resume? Thing number one, making sure you are targeted and that you have those transferable skills if you are out of the industry um, towards that job posting. Thing number two, showcase the why. Why are you applying for the position? Um, whether it, you know, you just may need to make sure that you have a career, uh, a good strategic direction, um, and you're not just kind of applying for any position that will take you. 
And uh, reason number three um, is just having a really good summary of qualifications. All right, what makes you put a resume in the no pile? And I think this is a good one. Uh, it's a good one to ask because most resumes will go in the no pile. Um, if you think about it, um, you know, for every, I don't know, 100 applications that get sent out for these job postings on Indeed, you know, three or four may actually get interviews and callbacks. So I think this is a really important question. It's something that needs to be addressed. Um, and granted, not every resume, even if it is a good resume, is going to get an interview. So, um, but really what this, this question asked was, um, is there really a reason why somebody specifically chose to throw a resume in the trash or not even, um, end up giving somebody a call back? So reason number one, another recurring theme is using the shotgun approach guys. If the resume shows no effort, if the resume is just something that can be sent out to almost any job posting, you know, whether that be a cashier at McDonald's or bank teller or an IT manager, just having general skills, it's not going to translate well in the resume. And that's something that's something that I strongly believe in. Um, it's an easy no. Hiring managers get a lot of those guys, believe it or not, just general resumes that can be sent out to almost any job posting. So that's why I'm a really strong proponent of going back to what makes you put a resume in the yes pile. Um, being targeted is just such an incredible, incredible principle and it's powerful and it's going to make you get those interviews. So, you know, on the opposite end, you know, having that general resume that doesn't really showcase why you're a specific fit for that role is going to end up turning off recruiters. So that's an easy one there. Um, thing number two, when you're filling out these applications on indeed, um, and you know, this, this, this goes beyond resumes. This speaks to filling out applications, uh, but you need to make sure that you are as thorough as possible. Um, believe it or not, there are a lot of applications out there, um, that when they are filled out, they're not just filled out thoroughly and it's just very lazy. So, um, regardless or not, if you did submit your resume, don't just assume that somebody's even going to read your resume. Um, you need to make sure that the application portion is as detailed as possible. So that can take you a long way because apparently there are a bunch of other candidates out there that are just not doing their due diligence. So, yeah. And, um, thing number three are including positions or experiences that don't actually translate. And I think this is a really big one because if you think about it, somebody who is making a decision has very little time to review a resume. So, um, let's take the example of the really long three page resume with a bunch of bullet points and experiences that don't really have anything to do with the job posting. So, um, removing a lot of that stuff, um, removing fluff, removing things that have, you know, just are not going to help you in your job search is incredibly relevant. So I tell everyone, just go, go back to your resume, give it, you know, another sweep, just give it another look through and see what is possible to cut out, um, from looking through the perspective of a hiring decision maker. I think it's incredibly important and it'll take you a long way. Another very commonly asked question, what percentage of cover letters do hiring managers actually read? And I think 
there is a lot of skepticism um, in the job seeker community that that cover letters are not read. Um, I would like to say that this isn't necessarily true, and there are a really good portion of recruiters and hiring managers that actually do read cover letters. And I'm telling you guys, if you can write a really solid cover letter that is personal and also um, showcases why you're a good fit for the the role, um, then you will be looked upon favorably by somebody reading it. Um, so I always encourage people to attach a cover letter with the resume and um, a lot of really good, um, I wouldn't say good feedback, but just really strong um, opinions from hiring decision makers saying that um, a good cover letter can really sway them in a positive direction if, if they were on the fence about you, if they weren't sure that they were going to bring you on for an interview. Um, having that really strong cover letter can make a difference um, if it is personal. A caveat to this, guys, and this is something that actually was said during the panel, um, but don't don't make it too long uh, because when you start writing longer cover letters um, and just including too much information, um, it's like, guys, they already had to read your resume. Uh, don't give them a bunch of other stuff that they need to kind of disseminate information from um, because it's just going to make their job harder. So I say, you know, keep it short and sweet, three to five short paragraphs. Um, one thing that I love doing when I'm writing cover letters is including bullet points, uh, just because yeah, I like bullet points and they're easy to read and makes, um, getting information really easy. All right. Resume or PDF. So this is a really interesting question uh, because it's very specific. However, I think a lot of people get very anxious, um, not for a bad reason, but um, it's it's a commonly asked question by the job seeker community um, because they fear that their document will get weeded out by ATS software. And let me just tell you right now, if you're applying exclusively to um, positions that you know um, are getting sorted by applicant tracking systems or ATS, um, it's it's not a good approach because you're not going to get very many opportunities compared to if you're actually going out there networking, going through LinkedIn um, and other methods as well. So ah, rant over. Um, I will just speak to PDF versus Word doc. I recommend sending a PDF when you know a hiring manager is going to read it. Um, or a recruiter, and that's just because the formatting is not going to get messed up, and it's your pretty little document that you know is you know that what you see on that screen, they're going to see as well. Um, I recommend sending it as a Word document when it is going to get uploaded to ATS. Yes, that's right. You heard me. I recommend Word document for applicant tracking systems. And that's just because um, you never know with those parsers, I, like technology is getting better, but I think that if you're uploading it via Word, it's just gonna translate a lot better versus PDF. It's like scanning a picture and hoping that the, the words come out. So that's my two cents and the two cents of other hiring managers. So there you go. All right. How long do you actually spend on a resume? And guys, this is a really big one. And if I can get this point across, this may end up changing the way you write resumes and cover letters. And it really should um, because 
they're not spending as much time as you think they are. They're not spending as much time as you, uh, for crying out loud, reading your resume. Um, and I think that's important to remember because, you know, you're sitting there reading your resume over and over and over again and, and really scrutinizing every single bullet point. I know I do when I am writing because I'm a professional resume writer. It's my job. Um, but if you look at the perspective of a hiring decision maker, they're not doing that. Um, I've heard anywhere from a couple of seconds, you know, all the way up to, you know, five minutes, which I think is very generous. If you're, if you're reading somebody's resume for five minutes, um, really giving them, um, a good look through, then I think that's, that's a lot of time. That's more than the average. So think about it from that perspective, um, is the, you know, on average, somebody's going to spend less than a minute looking at your resume. So you need to give your resume to a friend who has never seen your resume before, um, who doesn't really, isn't that familiar with your credentials and just ask them, you know, do you think that, um, what, what do you think that this resume tells you, you know, what do you think my qualifications are? And if they can't give you a straight answer, um, or if they tell you something that's way far off, then I would reassess kind of, um, how you are formatting the resume and just some the certain things that you are bringing, um, that you're highlighting, I should say within the resume. All right. And this, uh, this is kind of a fun one here. Not super helpful, but I asked during the panel, you know, what's one thing that somebody said during an interview that immediately disqualified them. And, um, there weren't any really any solid, um, you know, one-off stories. Um, but I will say, you know, one of the panelists said that, um, he was getting interviewed and what ended up happening was the opening, I think it was the opening question. I'm not really sure. Um, but he asked, you know, how much are you worth? What do you think your worth is? And my just my stomach would just sink if somebody asked that because how how awkward of a question? Like how like who do you think you are? Like I know this is an interview where you're trying to kind of you are trying to get value like determine somebody's value so to speak. But I mean, what how, why would you word it like that? Um I think that's that it's disrespectful in so many ways. Um, and I don't care, you know, you know how much you're worth. I think that that makes the company look bad. And, um, and his answer I think was perfect. He's, he was like, I think I'm, I think I'm priceless. Um, which is true. We are all priceless in our own, in our own respect. So, so go you. Um, but guys, I, I think that's just, that's, good to be aware of, you know, how you're coming across an interview. If you are the person getting interviewed or you are the person conducting the interview, I think it's incredibly important to remember that you are representing your own personal brand and uh, possibly the company that you work for or have worked for in the past. So, um, just remember that, um, don't get too cocky, be freaking confident because you are amazing. And, um, that's the only way that your interview is going to probably turn out well um be absolutely confident but remember that there's a big difference between confidence and cockiness and asking that type of question is it's very cocky so don't do it all right guys this wraps up what i'm sure is just the first part of an amazing series which is um hearing from hiring decision makers and seeing what they would like to get from your resume cover letter linkedin profile and I think it's incredibly important to remember to put yourself in the perspective of the people making decisions. Can't say that enough. And to remember to do that throughout your entire job application process. 
So guys, just just some resources I'd like you to go out after. Um, like I said, hit that subscribe button because we have a lot of really good stuff coming up in the future um, for job seekers and people looking to improve um, their career. Um, we have an amazing blog out there where we answer a lot of these specific questions. So if you're more of a reader rather than a listener, I'd recommend checking out that blog there. You know, we'll ask questions. We'll do questions like what's a good font for a resume? Um, how do you improve your design? Um, and more specifics on ATS, um, applicant tracking systems. And um, I would say that's a good one to go after. Um, and just one last piece of advice here, um, and this is something that we kind of barely touched upon, but just make sure you are going out there, you're engaging with the community um, of other job seekers, and you are looking to shake hands as much as possible because you never know who you're going to meet. You never know uh, what type of opportunity you're going to get just from you know, making eye contact from, with somebody because that's not something that is easy, easily conveyed or conveyed at all when you are sending out your resume to these applicant tracking systems um, online. So get out there, start shaking hands, start making eye contact, smile with other people because it's going to bump your, it's going to bump up your mojo and you're going to get a lot more opportunities, not just more opportunities, but better opportunities in your job search. And let's see grandma highly recommends this. All right, that's it for the Let's Eat Grandma Job Seekers podcast. This is number eight. It's hard to believe that we have had that many podcasts. I know we're just starting out here, um, but we have a lot more to come, and it's just going to get better and better, guys. Um, so make sure you hit that subscribe button um, because we would love to stay connected with you. We like to think of ourselves as um, really the voice for other people who are um, in their job search. Um, we know the questions that you want to ask. Um, so we ask them, we go out in the field and we ask hiring decision makers, we go out and do our research. Um, so make sure to stay connected with us because we would love to help you and love to be a resource, uh, for any part of your career transition or job search. That's it. My name is Chris Bianueva, certified professional resume writer slash guy at Let's Eat Grandma. And, uh, I really enjoyed this and, um, I will talk to you guys soon. 